Jesus. Is it okay if we talk about Jesus today? Amen. We have uh, talked about Jesus, the series, for since 2019. Twice a year, we just decided that we want to talk more about Jesus. There's so many other things that we could be distracted by, but we've been going through the life of Jesus chronologically as best as we can, and our goal is to follow the words and works of Jesus Christ so that we can talk like Jesus and we can walk like Jesus. So there's been 24 sermons so far. This is Jesus the Series Season 7, 24 uh, messages so far. So if you ever want to go and catch up and start way back at the beginning, you can find all those online. But we're talking about the life of our Savior. So this is the season premiere of Jesus the Series Season 7. And today we're going to talk about a miraculous event that occurs in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, this is a good time to talk about why the Gospels are different from one another. See, the Bible is a library of books that's intricately connected and interwoven. And we know that the Gospels are four accounts of the life of Christ. But why aren't they exactly the same? Michael Holman says this. He says, each of the Gospels has its own emphasis on the ministry of Christ. Matthew writing to a Jewish audience, emphasized Jesus' fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, proving that he was the long-awaited Messiah. Mark writes a fast-paced, condensed account recording Jesus' miraculous deeds and not recording his long discourses so much. Luke portrays Jesus as the remedy for the world's ills, emphasizing his perfect humanity and humane concern for the weak, the suffering, and the outcast. And John emphasizes Jesus' deity by selecting many conversations and sayings of Jesus on this subject of his deity, and also including signs that prove that he is the Son of God. So these four gospel accounts are different, but they work together to provide a complete testimony of Jesus, a beautiful portrait of the God-man. And although they differ slightly in theme, the central subject is the same. All of the Gospels present Jesus as the one who died to save sinners, and they all record his resurrection. So whether the author presented Jesus as the king or the servant or the son of man or the son of God, they had the common goal that people would believe in him. Each writer wants the reader to know the truth about Jesus and become a disciple and accomplish his purpose And each uh, of these Gospels is aimed at a certain audience, and each writer is selective of the events that he includes. For instance, the event that we're going to talk about today is in three of the four Gospels, and it's told in different ways, and there's different points that are emphasized. And the Holy Spirit used each one of these personalities of these writers and emphasized different points and thoughts, and they talked about things in different orders of importance, but all of these accounts of the life of Christ were written within the lifetime of the people that lived these events. And the Bible is to be read as a whole. It's many books, but one story. So today we're going to look at a time that Jesus healed a man that was both blind and unable to speak. You're going to see this in Matthew chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and turn there. We'll also have it up on the screen for you. It'll be in your app, in your notes. 
Matthew chapter 12. In this passage, Jesus was healing people and preaching in the temple and in the countryside. And many people were following him. And then Jesus came upon a man that needed help. And it was obvious that he needed help. But to us, if you were to come into this same situation, we would have looked at this man and thought this man was hopeless. So Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to him. It was brought to Jesus. And Jesus healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? A lot of these people uh, are still just kind of understanding who Jesus was, and they're trying to struggle with it. And they say, is this the son of David? Is this the Messiah that was talked about in the Old Testament? But Jesus sees this man that was having a spiritual problem that was affecting him physically. Now, this is not always the case, right? All sickness is not spiritual. We remember uh, the man that was born blind in John chapter 9. The disciples asked, because this is kind of what they believed back then, is if there was anything bad that happened to you, it's because that you sinned in some way or somebody sinned. And in John chapter 9, the disciples asked, who sinned to allow this man to be blind? Was it his father, his mother, or him? And Jesus said, none of them. And then he was going to bring glory to himself through that man's life. And Jesus healed him, and people come, came to know him because of that situation. But here in Matthew chapter 12, we see a man that was having a spiritual issue. He was possessed. That's pretty creepy, right? I don't know that I've ever come in contact with something like that, and I am super excited that I have it. Uh, we do know that when we are followers of Jesus, we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we don't have to fear because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But imagine how hard it would be to be someone that was blind and nonverbal. That had to be a struggle. You can't see, you can't express yourself. This has to be mentally draining. I'm sure there's a certain amount of depression and, and all those type of things that go along with this can't see the blue sky or the trees moving in the wind. I remember I was about probably 15 when I first got glasses. And uh, I remember walking outside and looking way across our yard and seeing the leaves of a tree, the individual leaves. It was like, oh, I thought that was just like a big blob. Everything looked like some kind of abstract painting before that moment. And it's a big deal to be able to see these beautiful things. You can't and, and not just that he was blind, but you also uh, have a person that was nonverbal. You couldn't speak. You couldn't tell someone that you love them or ask for a drink. But Jesus saw this man struggling physically and spiritually, and Jesus didn't shrink away. He healed him because he is God. Let us never get tired of these mighty feats of Jesus while he was on this earth. These civilians around were watching and were amazed, and they recognized that this was something that the Messiah would do. But this miraculous situation takes a turn after this. Verse 23, so the people are amazed. They say, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, 
They said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. The Pharisees went in the total opposite direction, right? They say, this isn't an act of God. This must be an act of Satan. Talk about seeing a situation in two opposite ways. You ever see that sometimes? Or, you know, maybe you read something on the internet or you're talking to somebody and you're like, the way you see this situation is so much different than me, I cannot even begin to reconcile these two ideas. And sometimes we are like that. We're quick to make wild judgments like this. It's us versus them. And it's not possible that we are the bad guys ever, right? So it must be them. And they don't just have a different idea. No, they are pure, evil, monsters even. Very few of us are curious to find out the reasons people do the things that they do. The Pharisees heard these people praise Jesus as sent from God. And the Pharisees went 100 miles an hour in the other direction. And they say he is from Satan, or more specifically, Beelzebul. Now, you don't accuse something, uh, someone of something like this unless you are completely astounded, right? If Jesus had just helped somebody with a stomach ache, they would have said, oh, he's got some good skills. That's pretty cool. But this is a wild accusation as a result of a wild occurrence. They went so far because they knew it was hard to explain. This power on display could not be ignored. But the Pharisees had to explain away why Jesus was not the Messiah because they wanted the Messiah to be different than Jesus. You've probably seen that before, too. You've got two sides on a different uh, different sides of an argument. And one is talking about this aspect of Jesus, and the other is talking about this aspect of Jesus, and, and fighting as to why the other person is evil. But Jesus doesn't lie on those sides of the argument. He's not a club to bash people with. He was the God-man. And we start with Jesus and then work out where we go with our ideas. This power on display didn't fit into their expectations. Beelzebul literally means Lord of the flies or Lord of filth. Though in Jesus' day, it was most likely just a kind of slang term a way of avoiding uh, to directly speak about the devil. Uh, They were superstitious. They thought if they were to say his name that he somehow would appear or have power. He who must not be named, right? But if Jesus was from God, then the Pharisees would have to explain why Jesus ate with sinners and why Jesus was so much different than the Pharisees, the religious elite, and why Jesus didn't Uh, follow their rules about the Sabbath or have the same type of priorities or why he welcomed the outcasts and rebuked the religious elite. Jesus didn't find the same things important that they thought were important, so they accused him of being from Satan. And if the people would have believed this, they could have uh, put Jesus to death for witchcraft. But Jesus knows their thoughts and said this in return in verse 25. It says, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, 
they will be your judges. A house divided against itself cannot stand is still a phrase that we use often in culture today. And Jesus' point here was why would Satan work against himself? And why would he work against his own plan? And what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong and this really was from God? Then you're calling God's work from Satan. Verse 28. He says, but if this is the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He goes on to say, you're accusing the works of the Holy Spirit as being from the devil. That's not something to mess with. That's dangerous ground. This is God's power that they're saying is from Satan. We need to be careful with this same tendency when we look at other churches and other people. And have humility that even though someone might be different than me, maybe I'm the one that's wrong, right? Be curious instead of judgmental. Now, there are absolute truths, the divinity of Christ, salvation by grace through faith, but some of our other thoughts and traditions shouldn't be held so tightly that we mislabel churches that are doing the work of the Holy Spirit and mislabel them as evil. But Jesus draws this figurative line in the sand and says... You can't call the work of the Holy Spirit evil and be on my side. Verse 30, he says that. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. There is such thing as right and wrong. Truth is not relative. We have grace for things that are not the main things, and we forgive minor differences, but there is a time to say, we don't agree, and we aren't on the same side. Jesus did it right here. And in the culture today, this would be called exclusionary or divisive. In fact, this kind of stand on truth could even be mislabeled as evil in society today. Here's a quote. See if you can figure out who said it. It's this. You ready? You are either with me or you are my enemy. Does anybody know who said that? Huh? Jeez, no. (laughs) Weird thing to say. Anakin Skywalker said it as he was transforming into none other than Darth Vader in the movie Revenge of the Sith. This type of stand for something today is seen as villainous. It wasn't wrong. Jesus was the one to say it first. But this is what we think of as villainous. Jesus isn't drawing this line in the stand over opinions or politics. He's saying you can't call the work of the Holy Spirit evil and still be on the same side as me. And Jesus goes on. Matthew 12, 21. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. But except, right here is what he's saying, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. See, Jesus said, whoever is with me or against me, uh, whoever is with me is, uh, 
whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. But he's not saying this about small things and about just little opinions. He is saying this about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, rejecting the Holy Spirit, or calling the deeds of the Holy Spirit as from Satan. Some people say that suicide is an unforgivable sin. Other people say it's homosexuality or murder. Rarely do the people ever think it's a sin that they have committed. And these verses here are interpreted in many ways most of the time which are wrong. We have to look at these verses in context. What is the rest of the chapter saying? N.T. Wright says this. He says, Jesus' final warning here has often worried devout readers. How can we know whether or not we have committed this unforgivable sin? What this saying relates very specifically to what has gone on before. Jesus is warning against looking at the work of the Spirit and declaring that it must be the devil's doing. If you do that, it's not just that you won't be forgiven. You can't be because you have cut off the very channel along which forgiveness would come. Once you declare that the only remaining bottle of water is poisonous, you condemn yourself as dying of thirst. So to look at the Holy Spirit and His work and reject it and to declare it as evil or satanic is a clear definition of an unrepentant heart. See, a genuine Jesus follower won't reject the Holy Spirit. You can't just say these works that the Holy Spirit's doing are evil and be on the same page as God. A repentant heart is a key to forgiveness for the multitudes of types of sin. God's, uh, God's forgiveness has no end. But when you reject that forgiveness and you reject God, that is when you have this problem of not being able to have that forgiveness. You can't say no to that gift. Now, we don't always get saved from the consequences of our sin, but through Christ we can be saved from the eternal penalty of our sin, and that's available to all. And Jesus goes on to tell them, that you can tell a genuine person that is a follower of God, a child of God, by their actions and their attitudes. A bitter, angry, divisive person is not showing the spiritual fruit of a thriving relationship with Christ. We can all slip into that at some times, right? Where we're not showing the fruits of the Spirit. But if we live there unmoved by our sinful condition, then we need to ask why. Why are we comfortable being the meanest person in the room all the time? Why are we comfortable with the picking fights with everyone around us? That's certainly not motivated by a vibrant walk with Christ. Good works don't save us, but they are evidence of our salvation. And salvation is free to all. You don't have to work for it, but if you're not showing the fruits of the Spirit, you need to check your heart. A tree is known by its fruit. Orange trees produces, produce oranges, and a fig tree produces figs. And a genuine Christian produces the fruit of the Spirit. Check yourself and know how you live up to this. Matthew 12, 33, he goes on. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. <laughs> Next, he says something kind of crazy. You ready? He says, you brood of vipers. That is not a compliment. How can you speak good when you're evil? 
How do you say these things and you try and cover it up with flowery statements and Christianese statements, and, but on the inside you've got evil motives and you're all confused about who God is. Then he goes and says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. What is in our heart comes out, whether it's jealousy, lust, pride, laziness, The type of fruit reflects the identity of the tree, and what is in our heart always comes out our mouth. Every little word that we speak matters. Little underhanded criticisms like, your haircut makes your nose look so much smaller. (laughs) What? Why would you say that to somebody? Every little word like that makes a difference. Your words make a difference. And when in doubt, say nothing. And maybe you're a person that's prone to these types of statements. It's okay to be quiet. Have you ever had people say things like, you're so much better than you're at your job than you used to be? <laughs> Firsthand, uh, you know, on the first part, thanks so much for that unsolicited impromptu performance review. That's great. I really appreciate that. Secondly, I have no way to interpret that except for that you used to think that I was a bum. Have you ever met someone whose every word they say is a backhanded compliment that comes from a place of superiority? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is the most response I've ever gotten from anything I've ever said. (laughs) I could say, Jesus is the best, and you're like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody that said backhanded compliment? Uh-huh, come on, preach, Lord. (laughs) Why does this happen, though? It's because in their heart, they feel superior to everyone. That comes out of their mouth because they really do think that. In their opinion, they feel like is more valid or holds more weight than other people. So everybody should be excited to hear every little thought that comes out of their mouth. What's in our heart always comes out. We need to be careful because our words matter. We need to check our hearts, and we realize that we're offending people. We need to check why we're offending people. We need to look deep into our hearts to see what that is rooted in and to surrender the thoughts and intents of our hearts to Christ. But the Pharisees' remarks to Jesus, they showed what was really happening in their hearts. They disagreed with what Jesus was doing, and they were jealous, and they were angry, and they were threatened, so they painted him as the devil. If you've ever felt that way before, where people just look at you and they see the devil, just understand that sometimes that happened to Jesus. We need to be more careful than the Pharisees were. We need to pray and ask God to give us discernment and to help us know our own hearts and see our own sins and idols and ask for him to change our hearts so that we might look more like Jesus. Jesus here was fulfilling his mission and his purpose, but it threatened people. And the Pharisees reacted poorly in a way that revealed their hearts. But Jesus pressed on. Maybe you're the Pharisee today. We probably all play that role at times. And and in certain situations, you're divisive and negative and critical. 
And your words and actions and attitudes reveal to everyone around us that our heart is in the wrong place at best, or at worst, you might not be redeemed. You're trusting in something else other than Christ alone on the cross for your sins. What we need today, if we're in that position of the Pharisee today, is for God to break our stony hearts and change it. And you might be, you know, uh, have been a Christian for a long time, and you might feel that you have made it and reached that status so that you're able to say these things or have these types of attitude because you have made it to a point where you are holy and pious. You need to let God break your heart. We're all in that position at times where we think that we've got God all figured out. Hey, let him lead. Maybe you're in that position where you finally actually need to accept Christ as your savior and become a follower of Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've gone to church or you know, grew up in church, all that kind of stuff. Knowledge does not equal a repentant heart. You've got to accept that free gift of salvation. These Pharisees had all the pedigree in the world that you can think of, but they did not put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so they were very confused and very unhappy in their religious experience here when they came in contact with the God of the universe. Or maybe you're the one that's trying to be like Jesus and you're, you're trying to fulfill your mission and purpose with your life and you're getting discouraged. You're trying to bring glory to God, but people are throwing stones and mischaracterizing you. It's tough, and you're tempted to quit, but you're not alone. Jesus walked this earth and was tempted like you are, and he wants you to walk through uh, this situation with him right now. You're not alone. The people that I have seen that I have been most confident that they are following Jesus with their lives and they are expressing the attitudes and the actions of Jesus every single time I have seen people throw stones at them. Church people throw stones at them because they love too much or they went to the people that we should give up on. But don't get discouraged. Keep pressing on, even when it's hard. Now listen to that criticism. Make sure that your heart is right and surrender it all to Jesus Christ, but don't quit. Keep moving on. The Pharisees misunderstood Jesus on purpose because they didn't like him. But Jesus modeled how to keep walking and keep hoping in God. Every head's bowed and Eyes closed. See this instant in the Bible where Jesus healed a man and they called him Satan. This person that had been blind had, couldn't speak and they took this wonderful, miraculous sign that Jesus was the Messiah and they misinterpreted it and they twisted it to make him the villain. Firstly, we need to make sure that's not, that's not us. We need to check our hearts, that we're not demonizing people that are doing God's work, that we're not purposely misinterpreting people because we don't like them. 
because they threaten our apathy and laziness by doing something for God. They do it a little bit different way than we would. More than anything in the whole entire world, I want to be sure that I'm never on the opposite side that Jesus would be. These Pharisees found themselves there. I never want to slow down the work of God because of my attitude and my actions. Maybe you're that person that you're really trying, all you're trying to do is do what's right. You're not trying to say that you're perfect or you do it the right way every time, but it seems like every time you step out that somebody's sniping at you with their words and their actions. Hey, it happened to Jesus. But Jesus continued on towards the cross and he allowed himself to use up his life for the purpose of God. He absorbed the sins of others, ultimately on the cross. And sometimes that's kind of where we're going to be. People can snipe at us and people can throw their stones and we just got to keep moving on and surrender our hope to God and allow him to lead us. It's not always easy, but it will always be worth it. As we continue in this attitude of prayer and we ask God where we're at today and what we need and what we need to surrender. Maybe it's something totally different. Maybe you're struggling with your health or a relationship or something that's going on in your life and what you need to do today is, God, I don't know what to do. God, I give it all to you. God, if this is going to get fixed, you're going to have to do it because I have no answers. Maybe here today and you might not yet be a follower of Jesus. talked about that that sin that is the the, the big one the big one is to reject God to reject the Holy Spirit not realize God for who he is that's called blasphemy that's a scary word you don't want to be part of that see God created the world. He created you. He created humanity to have a relationship with you. But all the way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and it caused division between us and God. And ever since then, death and disease and pain and war and, and all these things flooded into the world and caused all these problems because way back at the beginning, humanity rejected God. And we have live this world and we've stepped out and continually chose our way over God's way but all throughout the Old Testament God was telling his people that someone is coming I am coming I will rescue you the Messiah is coming and he did 2,000 years ago God in the flesh an equal part of the Trinity was born on this earth and he lived a life people followed him and he taught and he did miracles and the religious elite didn't like it and they painted him as evil. Some people followed him. But that led to the cross. It was always the plan that Jesus would die for our sins that happened way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve. And he did. Every sin that you've ever done is paid for on the cross. 
And then on the third day, Jesus rose again from the grave. The only innocent person that's ever lived died for all of us guilty people. And he is outstretching that gift to you today. Don't reject it. Accept it. It's the most amazing thing in the world. There's no reason ever to not. Don't commit that sin that he talked about by saying, no, I don't want it. I got this. You can accept that gift today once and for all. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to understand that you have a need for a Savior and that Jesus was that Savior and that you put your faith in Him and what He did on the cross is the only means to get to God and heal that relationship. You could call out right now. It's simple, but it's not easy because you're giving it all over to Him. You're saying, God, all these things that I think are good, really the only thing that is good is you. You can call out to him with something like this. It's not a magic prayer. Words aren't important. You change it however you need to. It's a personal thing, a sincere, genuine thing from your heart to God. You can call out to him today with something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin, that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you. And I put my faith in what you did on the cross to save me. I accept that gift. I'm turning away from all that I held on to. that's you today, that's the most amazing thing you could have ever done. All the history is written into this. This is called the gospel, Jesus in my place. If you made that choice today, once and for all, you're not playing games with God, not just going through the motions, but sincerely, maybe the first time that you ever did that or maybe the first time you really feel like you understood it I'd love to challenge you to write that on your connection card down there at the bottom I chose Jesus because this isn't the end of something it's the beginning of a relationship with God being a Jesus follower it doesn't stop here it's the most amazing journey it's not always going to be easy but it's always going to be worth it and I'd love to be able to follow up with you talk to you about that decision that you made today God, we love you. God, we thank you for this example of Christ that life won't always be easy, but you are always going to be with us. And that you were tempted like we are and mischaracterized like we are at times. Help us to be humble. Help us to make sure that we're not in that role of the Pharisee. And help us to push forward like you did with your purpose and your mission sent from God, which ultimately was for us and for your glory. 